Chapter 8 The Dark It was a bright, clear day, and Remus was preparing for the dark upcoming night. He walked through one of the empty fields earlier to find a good spot to set up the tent. The current location satisfied his criteria of A, no bees, B, dry ground, and C, just far enough from the farmhouse to feel separate. The wild grass grew haphazardly around him, and he almost felt bad for disturbing the area by staking in the big orange tent. The tent was marketed for four to six people, so Remus knew it would barely fit two adult men. As he tossed two sleeping bags inside, he hoped that if they put their heads in opposite corners, they could sleep without making any contact with each other. Remus was a little nervous to address his fear of the dark, but also a little excited to spend the evening with Sirius. Even if their friendship was purely platonic, Remus appreciated how easy it was to talk to the shorter man, whether it was about nothing of importance or their deepest ambitions or fears. He had a feeling that tonight would involve both types of conversations. It wasn't that he was unwilling to address his own fear of the dark. It was just that he had never needed to. No one had ever made him talk about it, and he had never had a problem with the small extra electricity usage from leaving a nightlight plugged into the bathroom or from leaving a reading lamp on low to sleep. The last time he had had a sleepover with another man was over a year ago, and Remus had simply turned the bedside lamp back on after its owner had fallen asleep. Sirius arrived at the farm in the late afternoon. Autumn was offering ever earlier sunsets, but Sirius had time to unpack his belongings in the bright daylight. After he and Remus exchanged greetings, Remus helped him carry his bags to the tent. Remus was surprised to realize how much Sirius had brought for one night. You know we aren't even going to be out here for 24 hours, right? He teased holding up one of the duffel bags in his hand for emphasis. Hey, I like to be prepared, Sirius defended. Also, don't make fun of me before you know what I brought. It may be in your best interest to be nice. He finished in a faux haughty tone, nose pointed up. Oh, Remus asked. I may have brought snacks. Dinner was simple but tasty. Remus had made sandwiches earlier for them to eat outside the tent. He figured it would be better to get used to the area before trying to sleep in it, instead of eating inside the house with lights on and having to walk outside into the dark. The sunset was slow and picturesque. The two men were bundled in sweaters and sitting in short camp chairs, watching it. In the fading red glow of the sky as the sun slipped under the mountains, Sirius stood. I need to go use the bathroom. Is the house locked? The back porch is open. Are you able to make it yourself? Remus asked with a smile. If I run, I think it'll still be light outside when I come back, Sirius joked. If it was anyone else or if it was Remus himself, he thought, he would just walk in the house after making the joke, trying not to look awkward. But since it was Sirius, he actually ran and even threw in a fake trip and a dramatic fall for Remus's amusement. When Sirius returned, he walked, but only because he was carrying something very carefully with both hands. As he got closer, Remus realized what it was, his guitar. Will you play a bit? Sirius appealed, handing it over. Remus accepted the instrument and began to strum quiet chords. Will you play Godzilla? Sirius asked. Soon enough, they were singing the song together. 
Sirius's voice alternating between close harmonies that weren't in the original version and subtle, sustained background notes. Remus smiled at him as the song ended. It was now almost completely dark. Should we move inside? Remus suggested, pointing to the entrance of the tent. It's starting to get a bit chilly. You have at least three sweaters on right now. How are you chilly? Sirius asked with a raised eyebrow, but stood up nonetheless. Oh, sorry, Remus said. Didn't realize you were the sweater police. He almost cringed at his lame attempt at humor, but Sirius laughed anyways. It's okay. It's cute, Sirius said. Remus blushed, but Sirius had already turned away to enter the tent. Remus got to watch him climb inside and tried to rein in his emotions before following behind. After Remus turned on their small portable lantern, Sirius opened one of the sleeping bags to tuck his legs in. Isn't that lantern sort of cheating? Sirius asked. Definitely not, Remus answered. We'll turn it off to sleep. And we can even leave the window flaps open to make it extra scary for you. That'll make up for the light right now. He was aiming for playfulness, but instead unnerved himself in the process. It was going to be a long night. Sirius rifled through one of his duffels before coming up with a truly gigantic bag of potato chips. Through the crinkling opening of the bag, Remus laughed as he read the label. How is family plus a size for chip bags? This is astonishing, he mused. You see, Remus, Sirius said, in the obviously mocking tone he and James would often wind themselves up into. When one compares the price of differently sized bags, you may think that you should get the smaller size. But, and this is the rub, as my good friend Hamlet would say, the price per ounce is worlds different. He paused to pop a chip into his mouth before passing the bag to Remus. Anyway, I can eat a family-sized bag in one sitting, so I figured we'd need the bigger size for the two of us. Remus laughed. Yeah, we ate salt and vinegar chips together the first day we met. Sirius's eyes shone. We did. Almost a month ago now. <laughs> Does it ever feel like we've known each other for longer than one month? Remus couldn't help but ask. As soon as he said it, he realized how it could be construed as flirtatious, or just coming on strong in the friendship department but maybe strong enough to make Sirius feel weirded out by Remus's clear clinginess. Yeah, Sirius answered simply, quieting Remus's internal dialogue. Hey, what did you bring out for our camping adventure? Besides the sleeping bag and the tent and the dinner, which, thank you for all three, by the way. You're welcome for all three. I brought... Remus paused to emphasize the clearly smaller bag that he had compared to Sirius's piles. Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. I know who wrote Pride and Prejudice. You don't need to say it's by Jane Austen. Oh, I'm sorry, Remus said, mocking, to the man who quoted one of Shakespeare's most famous soliloquies and then name-dropped Hamlet as your good friend. Sirius's amusement was clear, and he seemed to decide between continuing their joke or not. His face settled into sincerity, one of Remus's favorite looks on him. Will you read to me? The request was so innocent that Remus couldn't help but oblige. Soon enough, they were settled in their sleeping bags, Sirius on his back in one corner, Remus on his stomach in the middle so he could read by the light of the lantern. When Remus read Elizabeth's line, I am not a great reader, I have pleasure in many things, 
Sirius snapped and booed. Yes, drag her, he called out. You know, when I had to read this in high school, I really didn't pay attention. But if I had realized how much drama was in this book, I would have devoured it. I love how snarky Elizabeth is. Reminds me of a certain Gemini I know. He rolled slightly onto his side, arms still tucked into the sleeping bag, to make eye contact with Remus. On anyone else, Remus thought, not for the first time that night. The gesture would have looked silly. But with Sirius, it was effortless and alluring. <laughs> it's getting late, Remus said as he closed the pages around a bookmark. After a moment of deliberation, Remus spoke up again. Is this the part where we tell each other why we're afraid of the dark at age 24? Sirius's eyebrows knitted. He rolled back to his earlier position, staring up. I think so. Okay, um, Remus began. I know it helps to just talk about it, but it just feels like such a stupid story, and it's kind of embarrassing that it's led to something that still dominates my life all these years later. But here goes. He pulled his knees up to his chest and stared at the lantern as he searched for the right words. When I was six years old, I went camping with my parents. It was a really fun day as we drove through the countryside to the campsite, and I remember feeling like such a big kid when my dad let me use a little Swiss Army knife and tie knots and things. I felt like such a big kid that I didn't think I had to wake my parents in the middle of the night when I needed to leave the tent to walk to the camp bathroom. He paused and took a frustrated inhale of breath. <sighs> they were a short distance from our tent, through some tall trees, but on a little winding trail. It was a full moon, so I could see pretty well, and I walked all the way to the bathrooms just fine. When I came back out, a layer of clouds had blown in, and it was much darker outside. I wasn't sure which direction my tent was, and I began to panic. I eventually chose a path and started walking down it, which obviously is not the right thing to do when you're lost and already in an undefined location. The only bathroom in miles. But... Remus laughed without humor, hands flipping up slightly from inside the sleeping bag. Somehow, I tripped and fell into a sort of ravine. It was probably much smaller than I remember, but at six years old, it was insurmountable. I twisted my ankle and couldn't climb back up. He frowned and patted his left ankle instinctively. I sat there all night, terrified and thinking that some creature was going to come and attack me. In the early dawn, my parents found me. One of them had woken up to discover I wasn't there and appropriately panicked. We went home early and my ankle was fine. I apologized to my parents for wandering off at night without waking them like I was supposed to, but they were just happy I was okay. That night, though, after my mom tucked me into bed and turned off the light, I felt like I was instantly transported back to that ravine in the woods and I had a panic attack. Sometimes I have dreams that I'm trapped in a ravine in the woods and when the morning light starts to peek through the trees, this time no one's there to find me. He frowned again and thought. I suppose those dreams felt more true after my parents died. For the first time since starting his story, Remus tore his eyes away from the lantern to see Sirius's eyes trained on him. After a pause, Sirius spoke up. I'm sorry that happened to you, he said very sincerely. From someone else's lips, the words might have sounded generic, but Remus felt the pure understanding within them. 
After a long but not uncomfortable pause, Sirius squared his shoulders as if visibly preparing to relive whatever memories it was that had cemented his own phobia. He started to speak in an apprehensive voice. For me, it was my parents. Remus winced at the sad truth. You know that they were kind of abusive when I was growing up. Sirius interrupted himself with a frustrated groan. Oh, let me say that correctly. They were abusive when I was growing up. Not kind of. He sighed. My latest thing in therapy has been working on not minimizing my past problems. But anyway, my parents were abusive when I was growing up. When I did something wrong, one of their punishments was locking me in my room for long periods of time. They would turn the lights off and I would just sit, terrified. I was afraid to be in the dark alone, but I was also afraid for the eventual end of the solitude. Because when I was locked in that room, at least they were locked out. His voice was very detached and void of emotion, and Remus was surprised to hear the other man speak without any of his characteristic warmth. I'm so sorry, Sirius, Remus whispered. He shifted through the few feet of distance between them to wrap Sirius in a protective hug. Was the light switch installed on the outside of your room? He asked stupidly, then immediately felt guilty. Wait, I'm not trying to doubt your story or anything. God, I believe you. I'm sorry. Sirius gave a little laugh, if only due to Remus's ramblings of trying to save himself. No, it's a valid point, right? Just turn on the light. But no, there wasn't a light switch in my room. The lights and everything else were controlled remotely by these tablets that my parents carried. Remus's eyebrows rose automatically at the idea of being wealthy. He dully realized that Sirius's disownment from his homophobic family must have meant the loss of more money than just his college tuition. Sirius's voice interrupted his thoughts, returning to the emotionless tone of voice he was using earlier. Being in the dark even now is terrifying because I feel like the lights could come on and I'd be back in my childhood room watching my parents unlock the door that formerly protected me from them. I'm so sorry, Sirius, Remus repeated. It's okay, Sirius whispered. I mean, it's not okay, he corrected, but they can't hurt me anymore. You're right. You're safe now, Remus said. And you're safe now too, Sirius said, his voice returning to normal. When Remus made a noncommittal noise, Sirius placed steady hands on his shoulders squarely and looked into his eyes. You are. Maybe your parents wouldn't be able to find you anymore, but you've got people. I would find you. James would go looking for you. Lily would too. You're safe now too, he repeated finally. Remus hid his tears in a tight embrace. The cathartic release of talking about their traumas left Remus feeling exhausted, but he realized he still would need to brush his teeth and use the bathroom at the house before going to sleep in the tent. <laughs> Will you come with me to the house? I wanna brush my teeth, Remus said sheepishly, suddenly not knowing what he would do if Sirius said no. Probably disappoint his dentist for one night. If we go together, we'll be safe, Sirius said lightly, but Remus relaxed nonetheless. Soon enough, they were walking through the cold, outdoor air toward the farmhouse. Neither man wanted to prolong the time they spent in the dark, so they were moving just shy of running, fingers laced tightly together. 
As they left the house for the tent a few minutes later, they resumed their fast walk and tightly held hands. Their proximity wasn't from lust or romance, even though Remus's heart felt a little pull of the, from the action. Instead, it was from mutual understanding and support, the attempt to conquer their darkest fear together. They settled into their sleeping bags in the same position as before, with heads at opposite corners and legs pointed out, separated by the lantern and a few feet of space. But just after Remus turned off the light for the night, Sirius sat up. Sorry, um, can I move so I'm a tiny bit closer to you? He asked in the sudden whisper volume often induced by speaking into the dark. Remus briefly wondered what Lily would think even as he said, Of course. Sirius shifted so that he was lying parallel to Remus only a few feet away. Remus heard Sirius take a contented sigh before his breathing leveled out. Wondering if he would be able to sleep, Remus tried to think about Sirius's words from earlier. He may no longer have his parents, but he had people in his life. James, Lily, Sirius, even Minerva. People who would protect him and would, metaphorically speaking, find him if he were trapped in a ravine in the woods with a broken ankle. After an unknown amount of time spent listening to Sirius's steady breathing, Remus drift off to sleep in the dark.